Well, good afternoon to all of my Facebook family and friends. I hope you're doing well on this 18th day of February. It seems like um, it's very cold still here in Northeast Texas, but not as bad as it was the other night. And uh, we still are in the midst of a pandemic, of course. Uh, we are still on, in the midst of uh, being snowbound. Uh, many of us here in Texas, including many of us here in Tyler, uh, have um, found ourselves very cold and um, without water and some without power. We have uh, been without water for uh, two or three days now, but we're seeing a little bit of hope as they're restoring things. We have not lost our electricity yet at all, which is a blessing because others have lost their electricity uh, for uh, a long time, some for hours or even days. And so we are grateful, uh, certainly grateful for that. I do know that uh, we miss having water. I remember when the first time I went to Ukraine in 1998 with our Woodland West Church of Christ mission team, establishing a church in Mariupol and building that church up, uh, we had to use, uh, we had to boil our water. We had a um, uh, a, a water bottle basically that each of us had that we would use to put in boiled water that we would use to brush our teeth or wash our hands and face and then uh, of course we had bottled water to drink and that's kind of where we've been uh, here in Tyler in 2021. Uh, we don't have any water to boil just yet but we've been fine. We have bottled water and uh, some other things. We have uh, uh, lots of snow outside, crazily enough, here in Texas that can be uh, brought in and dumped and, and saved uh, to uh, use for toilet flushing and other necessities, things like that. And it looks like uh, the water is going to start flowing again, perhaps in the next day or two. So that's a great, great blessing. Again, there are many others that are not quite so blessed. And so we feel we feel very grateful, very fortunate, and we have everything that we need and um, and so it's um, it, it's a great blessing. I know that uh, uh, just being outside for a little bit at a time on these uh, cold days and nights, it is um, it is remarkable to think about those who uh, don't have any warmth uh, ever and are homeless or others who are out there working trying to bring us the things that we need, uh, whether it's electricity or water or uh, whatever it might be, roads cleared. Um, <clears throat> law enforcement, uh, others, uh, healthcare workers, others that are uh, doing everything they can. Some of those grocery stores that uh, have tried their best to remain open in spite of everything. So um, hats off to you guys and thank you and thank God for you. <clears throat> Bless you and your families. But in the midst of everything, uh, of course, we canceled our Wednesday night worship service, Bible classes actually. Uh, last night and as did I'm sure most everybody else around here and so I did a Facebook lesson last night if you didn't get to uh, tune in on that then it's uh, you can scroll down a little bit on my Facebook page here or on some of our other sites and and uh, take that in it's on the book of Micah a great great uh, book that uh, calls us to act justly love mercy and walk humbly with our God in Micah 6 verse 8 one of those grand texts of Scripture uh, we have another grand text of scripture that we're looking at this week in this Colossians study. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. 
uh, we sort of introduced it last uh, Tuesday, and so that's, um, well, I'm glad that we are able to spend a couple of weeks on this. Next week, the next few lessons will focus on the thou shalt nots and the thou shalts that we have in the rest of Colossians 3 after these, uh, this introduction in this chapter in the first four verses. So I've got some friends online, Pat Slade, Larry and Lynn Murphy, my cousin Gail Addison and others. Uh, great to have you. We appreciate it very, very much. I get lots of uh, great encouragement from uh, knowing that there's viewers out there and seeing a few names and a few shout outs. So thanks very much. God bless you. Please keep warm and safe uh, yourselves and uh, be actively trying to help those who need it and uh, be prayerful, of course, uh, for all of those that are suffering during this time. Uh, we began this study <coughs> of being authentically spiritual. Uh, looking at that call for both spirituality and religion, uh, as I said this last uh, Tuesday. And I think as we think about those, uh, that relationship between spirituality and religion, we mentioned last Tuesday, uh, just this past Tuesday, a few options that we have. Uh, one is to have a spirituality that's based on self-achievement and legalistic religion. It's based on checking all the boxes and making sure that I've done all that I can. And I think that's a good thing to do all that you can. Certainly scripture calls us to do that. But what scripture never calls us to do is to base our spirituality or our salvation or our relationship with God on those things. As we're going to see from Colossians 3, those things are a result of having a relationship with Christ that's based on the sacrifice of his son. So that one's out because we know that we never measure up. So if our spirituality is based on our full obedience, then we're in trouble. And we all know that. Another option is kind of the other extreme. And that's a spirituality that's based on whatever we want it to be based on. Um, any religion or no religion, any belief or belief in nothing. Uh, there are some that say, well, I'm spiritual at spirituality. I like God. No, thanks. The Bible, certainly no, thanks. Jesus. Nope. Too divisive. The church, forget it. All of those things. And, and that's, that is an option. Um, that that's not a good option. That's not something that will actually give us that fulfilling spiritual life. Um, but it is something that many people and certainly many people in our culture today, uh, tend to try to push. And that's a spirituality that's basically just based on whatever I want it to be based on. And so it's purely subjective. It's purely uh, cultural. It's something that is enslaved to whatever the current thinking is or is something that's just based on my own selfish desires at the moment. Um, not much hope there. So the right option, I think, the third option is spirituality and religion that are both based on Christ and on what Christ has done and the uh, communication of that great sacrifice and the great salvation that comes by faith that is the righteousness of God uh, that comes through the sacrifice of Christ and that is revealed through his word. Uh, those things, that kind of spirituality has got uh, a, a firm footing. And that's, that's what we're kind of looking at as we turn into Colossians chapter 3. Again, based on chapters 1 and 2, the great message of the supremacy of Jesus Christ, the preeminence of Christ as creator and uh, sustainer and savior, uh, the head of the church, his body, 
the one who calls us to receive him by uh, believing in him, turning away from our lives of sin, that's repentance, uh, confessing that faith and being baptized into Christ so that we can be raised to live a new life. And that's his message uh, in Colossians 2, a message very similar to Romans 6, um, starting at about verse 6 and going on down uh, through about verse 15. Paul literally says that, that we've been raised uh, with Christ to live a new and different life. And he's going to be talking more specifically about that new and different life uh, starting right here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Um, one person has said, as I mentioned on Tuesday, relativism is the claim that all truth is relative, except, of course, for the claim that all truth is relative. <laughs> and so you can't have it both ways. Either you believe that there are no absolutes, including the claim that there are no absolutes, or you believe that there are some absolutes, that there is ultimate truth, that uh, not everything is relative. And Jesus came and he he would be seen if you read all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and if you read the epistles that were inspired by his Holy Spirit that he left with us, that comforter, uh, to lead and guide us. Uh, if you if you read actually read that, then you realize that Jesus is not one who preached relativism at all, uh, saying that there's a narrow way and a, and a wide way, and the crowd is going to go the wide way, but he calls on his disciples to go the narrow way, and that's a way that's not the popular way. It's the way of the cross. It's what he called denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following him and being his disciple. It's what he called being obedient to his word, uh, living obediently to what he has taught and, and to how he has lived. Uh, that's the call not just of Paul the apostle or of Bill the preacher, but that's the call of Jesus Christ. If you're going to accept the Bible as the word of God, then that, that's the message. Uh, that's what Jesus says, uh, to do the will of his Father and to listen to his words as he tells us in John chapter 12 and realize that uh, he didn't come that first time to judge. He came to say, but he says, if you want to know the judge, he said, I did, there is one that judges. It's the word that I have spoken. He says that very clearly, very distinctly in John 12. And then follows it up, of course, in that great verse in John 14, verse 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We can try to explain that away all, all we want so that we can do everything our own way and have that spirituality based on whatever makes us feel spiritual. Or, or we can accept the word of God and the word of Jesus Christ and Granted, we'll be obedient to it <clears throat> in an imperfect way, but we still strive uh, to live according to his word and his will. And so that brings us to this statement from uh, um, Milton Jones in his wonderful book on Colossians, Christ, No More, No Less. And, uh, and he says the problem in much of society today is not just that it has the wrong purpose, but that it has a unique brand of purposelessness. He says it's not just that the end justifies the means, it's that um, if it doesn't matter, you know, whatever the end is, then the means are, any means is fine. Um, because if you're not going anywhere with a, a firm direction and purpose, then however you get there is fine, <laughs> it doesn't matter. And he likens it to a pinball machine. You remember the pinball machines? I remember growing up in San Antonio, some of my San Antonio friends watched these messages 
I heard from one of those uh, just today, uh, earlier today from our old youth group in Lackland Terrace in San Antonio. And um, uh, the pinball machine is, uh, I used to go to Dairy Queen up the street from my house near Royal Gate Elementary, San Antonio and um, get an ice cream or a hamburger and a Coke. And uh, they had a pinball machine in there and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, and uh, what we're talking about is that, you know, uh, before Candy Crush, before Angry Birds or Pac-Man or Space Invaders or Super Mario Brothers, which was about the last one I could do well, should have worn my Super Mario Brothers shirt. Um, even before Pong, which we got at Oklahoma Christian College in the 70s, while Joyce and I were students there and thought, wow, technology is amazingly massive. This will never get any greater. Um, even before that, uh, there, there were pinball machines. And the whole thing about that, that pinball is that it would just go back and forth and, and go off of every barrier or bumper or um, whatever to uh, uh, and just you know try to survive until it finally gravity brought it all the way down and out and you were done uh, and that seems to be kind of what um, what some people's purpose in life is Milton Jones writes should we be led by chance like pinballs you know which direction a pinball goes don't you its direction is totally determined by what last bumped it that's a significant statement which direction do people go today for a lot of people today, it usually depends on what or who last bumped them, a spouse, a boss, a church. And so we ask the question with this lesson, what is your direction? Where, where are you going? And, and what means are you using to get there? I mean, do you have a purpose uh, at all in mind? Do you have a mission? Do you have a direction? What is your direction. To reach people today, we must have meaningful spiritual ritual, which is that belief, that worship, uh, that service in life, that practice, doing, and not just hearing. And to be the church, the meaning, the spirituality, as well as those beliefs and doctrine, must be tied directly to Jesus Christ and his word. Um, anything else is not Christian. It's not Christian. Because when you take Jesus and his word out of it, then it's no longer Christian. So we look to the scriptures and we try to find exactly what that looks like. Because Jesus calls us to be both spiritual and religious. He doesn't call us to be one or the other. He calls us to be both and he calls us to be connected to him. Uh, not only as our savior, but as the head of his body, the church. And to be a part of that body, an active part. Uh, working together with others. Uh, who have named the name of Christ, to serve the community, to help each other grow in uh, the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as Peter says in 2 Peter 3, and to reach out to others in love and service and humility and kindness so that they too can come to know this Lord who not only died for us, but gave us a reason to live and a purpose and a mission in life. <clears throat> so that brings us to Colossians 3. So let's read that passage, and then we'll talk through it, and, um, and then the lesson will be yours. Since then, Colossians 3, verse 1, you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated on the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. 
When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What a great, great statement. And again, it's based on everything he said so far. And and we we realize that. And uh, because uh, that's how he begins. He begins with an imperative. Set your hearts and your minds on things above. But the imperative in scripture is always based on the indicative. The commands are always based on the blessing. We see that everywhere in scripture, and we certainly <clears throat> see that here. We see it in Exodus 20 when the Ten Commandments are introduced, and God tells them, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves any image of God, and on and on. Well, those Ten Commandments are based on God's deliverance of them. Even back then, that imperative, and there are imperatives in Scripture, but those imperatives are always based on what God has already done uh, rather than a conditioned, uh, a conditional love. It's an unconditional love. Paul in Romans chapter 12 tells us after reviewing God's great mercies and blessings for 11 chapters, in chapter 12, he begins with these words, therefore, in view of God's mercies, uh, present your bodies as living sacrifices. That's how we're supposed to live but it doesn't start with that call to live that way. It starts with the blessing of the righteousness of God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Ephesians 2 talks about that. It talks about how, and Titus 3 the same, how we are to live lives filled with good deeds, being devoted to good deeds, Titus 3 verse 8, uh, going about doing good, <laughs> Ephesians 2 verse 10. But those those imperatives are based on the verses that come before the fact that we have been saved by grace through faith. When we were dead in our sins, God acted and made us alive in Jesus Christ. And we have experienced the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit uh, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and our response of faith uh, that culminates in, in Christian baptism. That's what Titus 3 says. And that's what Colossians 2 says as well. Um, as he says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. That's the first thing he says. And that harkens back to chapter 2 and these words that we read in Colossians 2, uh, beginning in verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So when Paul says in Colossians 3, verse 1, since then you have been raised with Christ, he's talking about our baptism. He's talking about our response of faith that's based on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We can take no glory in that. We are, can take no pride in that because that too is a gift. Uh, we respond in faith because God acted uh, through his grace and mercy to save us by giving his one and only son on the cross for us. But because of that great sacrifice, now there is a response of faith. And that faith, that response includes dying to sin, being buried with Christ through baptism, and being raised to live a new and different life. That life, Paul says, since we have been raised with Christ, that life is to set our hearts and our minds on things above. It's such a great statement, uh, such as we find in Hebrews chapter 12. And that in the end of that great chapter that contrasts Mount Zion, uh, the new covenant with Mount Sinai, the old covenant and 
uh, righteousness by law keeping versus righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> the writer of Hebrews says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, that's the blessing that we have, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and all that is the imperative for our God is a consuming fire. Those are the consequences. We recognize the wonderful grace and love and mercy of God that allows us to be saved in spite of our sin, but we also recognize that he is a holy and just and righteous God and that one day he will judge those. Thankfully, he won't judge us based on our own deeds and works, but rather he will judge us based on our relationship with him through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And what a great statement that is. The imperative in scripture, the how to live, set your hearts and minds on things above in Colossians 3, <coughs> excuse me, is always based on the indicative, what God has done. And what he has done is he has raised us uh, with Christ uh, through our response of faith because of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. The imperative in scripture always based on the indicative, the how to live is always based on what God has done. And so secondly, in these verses, we set our minds and hearts on things above because this is our identity. This is who we are. Again, Colossians 3 verse 1, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Um, our lives are not our own. This is, this is the life that we have given over now to Jesus Christ in service to him. It's what Paul says in Colossians 2 verse 20. We used to sing this in that youth group in San Antonio at Lackland Terrace Church of Christ. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Um, we set our minds and hearts on things above because that's who we are. This is our identity. Uh, Paul uh, speaks to this uh, here in Colossians and in other places. The, uh, the apostle Peter speaks to this as well in 1 Peter chapter two, when he talks about our identity in Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter 2, beginning in verse 9, he says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Again, he has called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. He has called us to be his chosen people. And so now he has called us to live that way, uh, to shout his praises once, verse 10 of 1 Peter 2, you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. And that's what Paul is going to say in the remainder of Colossians chapter 3, as he gives us some thou shalt nots and some thou shalts. Again, the imperatives of how to live based on the indicative of being raised with Christ. First Peter 2 verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. That last verse, Peter, I'm sure as he wrote those words, 
was hearing Jesus in his own mind in that Sermon on the Mount, uh, when Jesus said in the same way, let your light shine uh, so that others may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. Well, that's what we're called to do, to let our lights shine. But the reason we let our lights shine is because God has blessed us and he has blessed us. And now we have the opportunity uh, to describe to others exactly who we are and why we are this way. How we live, uh, why we live that way is seen right here in Colossians chapter three. Again, we do this because we are new creations, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 and 17. We do this because of God's great, incredible blessings, uh, his great mercies that call us to live a life of living sacrifices, not necessarily dying for Christ, although we would if called upon. But maybe even the longer term, harder version is to live for Jesus every day. And we do that with great joy. Uh, we do that with great gratitude because of the blessings that our great God has given to us in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> the, imperatives of, the imperative of Scripture, how to live, always based on the indicative of Scripture, how God has blessed us. We set our minds and hearts on things above because this is our identity. Uh, and Colossians chapters 3 and 4 will uh, flesh that out and give us some specific examples of what that looks like. But then lastly, in our lesson today, our purpose is to glorify God and our desire is to be with him now and for all eternity. And that's that last verse, verse four. Uh, Paul describes our hope and he says this, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What a great statement. Doesn't that make you smile? Doesn't that give you hope to know that there will come a day when we will see Jesus and he will appear? But that's the same day uh, that we will also join him and be with him. First Thessalonians 4, in that great passage, uh, verses 13 through 16, puts it so marvelously when it says, when Jesus comes again and we hear the shout and we hear the trumpet and we see him appear, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive at that time will also be raised and will meet them and the Lord in the air. And so we will forever be with the Lord. And what a great, great statement. What a great blessing to know that Christ, who is our life, will one day appear. And when he does appear, we will be with him for eternity in glory. And so in the meantime, our desire is to please him and to glorify him and to help others to be able to see this Jesus who loved them so much, who loved us so much, and who has given us not just salvation, but also mission and purpose and direction. Uh, Isaiah 43 verse seven says that all God's people were created for God's glory uh, and, and he formed us and made us as we know from Genesis one in his very image. Jesus said in John 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Some people see the Gospels and the rest of the New Testament as very burdensome, something that requires them to make sacrifices and to not live the way they want to live. And I hope that you don't see it that way. I hope that you see it differently. I hope that you see it as the giving of life, uh, the setting us free from sin, not being bound. Because if we're bound to our own personal desires and 
and um, and the sin and the life of this world, then that's all we have. But if we set our hearts and our minds on things above, on the eternal things, not the things of this world, then then we have something that will last forever. Paul talked about it in Philippians chapter three when he said, "I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and." and to somehow be able to attain to that life and that resurrection myself, not because of the good things that I've done, and he had talked about them in Philippians chapter three, but he says, I gave all of those things up so that I might be found uh, with the righteousness of God, not the righteousness of Paul that comes through Jesus Christ. And so again, God calls us to be spiritual and religious, but not a spirituality that's based on just any religion that we want or no religion and not a spirituality that's based on our obedience to whatever that law is that we follow, because at best that will be imperfect and can never take away sin, but rather a spirituality and a religion that are based on Jesus Christ, that are based on the sacrifice of the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. And now that is based on our response of faith, our being raised with Christ out of that watery grave of baptism, as we call it sometimes, that time when we die to sin and are buried with Christ through baptism and are raised to live a new and different life, a life that honors and glorifies Jesus Christ who died for us. What's your direction in life? What's your purpose? On what have you set your heart? Where's your mind? That's what Paul asks here. Being authentically spiritual means you have set your heart and your mind and your life on Jesus Christ. The church needs Christians. The community, the world needs Christians who are true to their identity, who are going the right direction with our lives, who have set our hearts and our minds on things above. Uh, when we have done that, then... Uh, then we were able to fulfill the many songs that we sing. One of my favorite invitation songs has come to be a, a song that we learned not very long ago, a few years ago, perhaps, uh, that has this prayer. Uh, in my life, Lord, be glorified. Uh, in my song, Lord, be glorified. In your church, Lord, be glorified today. I want us to end. Remember, in the verses that follow, Paul is going to flesh this out. For two chapters, he's going to talk about some specifics about how we should live. And he starts in the rest of Colossians 3 with the call of some thou shalt nots, don't do these things, and also some thou shalts. Christianity is a positive religion. It's not a negative religion at all. And so he calls on us to live a certain way, and that means giving up some things that are only futile, that are only destructive in our lives and in the lives of others. But it also means living positively with some things in our lives, such as love and joy and consideration and respect and grace and hope. Having those things in our lives uh, so that others may see the one who gave those things to us, who gave us our purpose and our direction and our salvation. Uh, and so we end today with this call. Uh, in Colossians 3, knowing that it's leading up to the great statement in Colossians 3, verse 17, that says, whatever you say and whatever you do, do it all to glorify God. Do it all to honor and glorify Jesus Christ. Uh, he's gonna, that's going to be the theme verse, really, of Colossians. 
And it could be the theme verse of our lives, Colossians 3, verse 17. But he says it a little bit differently here at the beginning of the chapter. And I want us to end this lesson with these words, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. <clears throat> Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. May God bless you to that end. Amen.